Hello everyone. Welcome to our podcast, The Residency Match Winners, a collection of IMG stories. Today, I have the extreme pleasure of having with me Dr. Sneha Mohan, who is currently a PGY3 internal medicine resident at the Mayo Clinic. She did her medical school from All India Institute of Medical Sciences, Delhi. Uh, she's a very close friend of mine and uh, I look up to her as to what she has achieved. And um, uh, today we'll be discussing her amazing inspirational journey, um, which led her to match at Mayo Clinic for internal medicine residency. Thank you so much, Sneha, for your time and joining us here. Uh, thank you, Agam, for that kind introduction. Uh, it's really nice to be here talking to you and uh, let me say kudos to you for doing this. I think it's wonderful that uh, you're taking the initiative to help out other IMGs and I'm glad that uh, I'm able to contribute as well. So today we'll be talking about uh, Sneha's uh, journey which led her to match into Mayo Clinic for internal medicine residency. Uh, so Sneha, oh, the first question that I had was, when did you decide that you want to do USMLE? Uh, so that's a good question to begin with. Uh, I would say that the question about doing USMLE was always in the back of my head right after starting medical school. A uh, couple of reasons for this, uh, one being my parents are both physicians and a lot of their classmates came to the US. They definitely considered it at that time, but then uh, decided against it just because of personal reasons. So it was always an option. And uh, also the medical school that I went to was uh, a place where the culture was such that they would start asking you whether you wanted to do USMLE or the Indian PG pretty early on. So I think both of them were in my mind uh, uh, trying to figure out which one to study for that is. And uh, right as I was finishing my second year, which is uh, when in India we finish our basic science years, I had the opportunity to speak with uh, one of my mom's friends who was here in the U.S. And uh, she told me, just just take the USMLE exam as soon as you can. Uh, and while you're in medical school, the same way that uh, American graduates do, you can always decide about coming to the U.S. for residency later. So I think that was really good advice. And uh, so I, I would say I definitely decided about USMLE when I was two and a half years into med school. And uh, um, so when did you take your steps? So let's talk about step one first. So when did you take your step one? Uh, so I took my step one right at the end of three years of medical school. Uh, so this was six months into the clinical years. And uh, mm -hmm. the structure of med school in India is such that you do two and a half years of basic sciences, two years of clinicals, and then a year of internship. So this was mm -hmm. uh, half about six months into the clinical years. And uh, so when did you, like, how long did you take to prepare for the step one? Uh, so I would say about six months of, uh, preparation time. I was doing this along with uh, clinical work in med school as well. Uh, so mm -hmm. I'd say a total maybe about three months of dedicated prep time. And uh, what was your step one score? Uh, so I got a 269 on my step one. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and when did you decide to take USMLE step two? Uh, so I took step two in halfway through the uh, the compulsory internship that we do to graduate MBBS. Uh, so it was in July of that of that year. So it was about six months into that. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, what was your step two CK score? Uh, so funnily enough, I got the same score on my step two CK. So again, two sixty nine. That's that's just so impressive. These scores <laughs> are just so incredible and so impressive. Thank you. And uh, uh, you know. For the people who are listening, 
it might just sound that Sneha is so humble, but she's probably like the smartest and the <laughs> nicest person I know. Um, <laughs> and regarding just uh, since we are talking about steps right now, uh, Sneha, so uh, like what advice would you give to people who are listening about the step about the preparation of steps and let's not let's not talk about the resources because there's already a lot of uh, videos and a lot of uh, like that's a totally different topic apart from the resources what other advice would you give to the applicants who are preparing for their steps yeah i think uh, and as you mentioned with the resources things change so much i think it's so different now from when we prepared uh, one of the biggest bits of advice i would say is to take the usmla exams as soon as you can the minute mm-hmm. you start thinking in the back of your mind that you probably want to take USMLE in the future, even if someone's out there thinking, I want to do it after post-graduation, I would still urge them to take it as soon as you can uh, for mm-hmm. multiple factors. One is it's so heavily um, reliant on basic science knowledge that it's better to take it as soon as you, as close as possible to your basic science years. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, taking it during med school, if you're still in med school, that's another bit of advice I would say. And another huge thing would be to pick a date at the beginning of your preparation time and Mm -hmm. stick with the date. Uh, It's really tempting to think that we can postpone it, but I think that really compromises on how well you prepare and also just taking it as fast as you can. And uh, the other thing that comes up a lot is deciding between USMLE and the local post-graduation exam, especially in India. That's a question that comes up a lot and if preparation for one can compromise the other. Mm-hmm. And I would say in my personal experience, as well as seeing a lot of my seniors who did USMLE, uh, they all did pretty well in the PG exam. And I think preparation for one really complements the other. So let that confusion not uh, delay taking the exam. Exactly. And the other thing would be when you're preparing for the exam, especially if you're not in med school, to make sure there's always something else you're doing so that that preparation time isn't a huge gap in your CV. Because uh, that's something that's a little bit difficult to uh, to to make up for later. Yeah, I think I completely agree with that, and that's that's actually a great piece of advice. Um, sometimes while we are preparing, we're just so fixated on USMLE versus Indian PG, whereas mm-hmm. um, I think thinking of the way you mentioned really, um, you know, helps. Yeah, because at the end of the day, medicine is medicine. So yeah. when you're studying for something, it's going it's going to help in the long run. Exactly. Uh, moving forward, uh, Sneha, I wanted to talk about clinical rotations. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you tell us a bit about what all clinical rotations you did uh, in which all departments? Yeah, and uh, yeah, definitely would say that clinical rotations are a huge, huge uh, plus when it comes to your applications. And I think it's unfortunate that a lot of people are having trouble with the pandemic, but uh, I was fortunate that I was able to do clinical rotations in major academic centers. Uh, So the first one I did was uh, during my final year of med school where I came to Mayo Clinic, actually, and that was in internal medicine. And uh, the way I went about finding this was really just going on their website. And uh, back then, anybody could apply if they were a medical student. Uh, But you needed step one scores, though. Uh, So that's another reason to take step one early if you're hoping to get clinical electives. Uh, the second place I went to was University of Michigan, and this was in my uh, just after final year of med school. And this was through my medical school where they had an exchange student program. Uh, so, I, and I did a clinical elective in uh, nephrology. And the third uh, clinical elective I did was in Cleveland Clinic, 
uh, right after the one in University of Michigan. And that's actually where Agam and I, we both met and we yeah. uh, we did the rotation together. And uh, that's where I did a sub-internship in uh, medicine. And mm-hmm. apart from these, I did an observership in University of Connecticut. And uh, uh, that was also a really nice experience. It was in internal medicine. And uh, usually, so during these clinical rotations, um, what do you think helps the most in getting the letters of recommendations and what advice do you have for the applicants who are doing the clinical rotations? Yeah, that's a really good question because I think trying to navigate that process can be a little bit daunting because you're just not sure how to approach it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one thing to bear in mind is that when you're doing these clinical electives as a med student, everybody is aware to some extent that you are hoping to get a letter uh, mm-hmm. through the process. So it's okay to be upfront about it. Um, but really the main thing that's important is that you're just showing that you're enthusiastic and you're eager to work. Mm-hmm. And really, I think a lot, more, we all are, we all are excited to be there. Uh, yeah. So really showing up and uh, trying to help as much as you can, uh, being exactly. interested in uh, what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, all of that goes a long way. And uh, all all the consultants you would work with, they, they're generally really, really forthcoming and helpful to uh to medical students because they really want to see us grow and do well so it's a good idea to talk to them early on as well in your rotation maybe a week into it or so to express that your goals are to do residency and how uh, this elective can help you and just ask them their advice a lot of the time they actually come forward and say um, is there something you're hoping to get out of this or Mm -hmm. do you want a letter and that's a great opening point for you to start talking further exactly yeah yeah, no, I think uh, that's that, those are all great points. I think um, one thing which I would add is, you know, just trying to be a good team player. I yeah. think that's probably uh, what they look for because mm-hmm. um, essentially you're working in a team. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Because usually you're with other residents too. So, and a lot of the time you may not get to work directly with the consultants. It's all the residents. And yeah, exactly. As you said, Akam, mm-hmm. uh, just being being there for everyone. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, to all the applicants or uh, to all the individuals who are listening to this podcast, uh, we'll be also attaching a, a Excel file containing basically comprising of all the programs which offer clinical electives along with, um, you know, what their fees is, like, you know, what their uh, application fees is and also what are the pros and cons. So that might be of help. But this is um, just also to mention that this these this list was uh, composed prior to the pandemic, so things might have changed. But hopefully, this would be of some help. No, that's great that you're doing that, Agam. Yeah, because I think that uh, that's a huge, huge challenge, especially after you graduate from med school. Things change mm-hmm. a bit, so it's important to bear those factors in mind too. But it's it's wonderful that you're creating a list for future applicants. And uh, moving forward, Sneha, I wanted to talk about research, um, you know, aside from the clinical mm-hmm. rotations. Um, what's, what um, type of research did you do prior to, uh, prior to your residency? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, and I understand that's another thing that a lot of us applicants prior to residency, we were thinking about how much research to do. Should we do a research uh, fellowship? Should we take a couple of years off to do research? And uh, I would say that in my personal experience, the research, uh, 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 rather research specifically, uh, didn't contribute a whole lot to my application. I did small bits of research during med school and in between uh, med school and residency. 
but I didn't do a research fellowship or any structured research in the U.S. Uh, but that being said, I, I I tried to do as much as I could. So I uh, took on an ICMR project, and that's uh, a project that's sponsored by the uh, Indian Council for Medical Research as a medical student. And uh, I was able to, I was in the process of getting that published when I applied for residency. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was able to do a case report, uh, which I uh, presented as a poster in one of the uh, conferences here in the U.S., Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was working on some research in an ICU back in India uh, where I was doing a QI project. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these were things, these were all smaller projects, which uh, right now a uh, couple of them have been published. So it's it's been nice. But while I was applying for residency, it was still in the preliminary phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, one thing just to add is like while we are submitting the uh, application, you know, we can mention the publications listed as submitted are accepted even though they are not published so i think that's i think having some some kind of research uh, is better than you know not having anything so i think um, even if you are unable to do a lot of research but also able to get some some at least some uh, papers in to show that you have worked on i think that's helpful yeah exactly and i would say that uh, research really complements your application and um, if if especially if you have not had clinical experience in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, To make up for that, I would say doing research in the US makes a huge difference. Exactly. But apart from that, if you're, a, if you're a new fresh graduate and you're applying right after graduating and if you've got good scores, then making sure you have some research is important, exactly. but it doesn't have to be um, super structured. So it's okay if that's not the case. But I would strongly urge to get a little bit of research done though. Uh, moving forward, Sneha, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, in terms of volunteer experience. I think this is a question um, that comes up a lot where um, applicants struggle as to what kind of volunteer activities they could do, um, mm-hmm. because I think that also constitutes an important part of the application. Yeah. And uh, my understanding was that it this similarly with, uh, with research, volunteer activities is more to show that you are interested in, in in helping the community around you and uh, doing whatever little bit you can. And uh, especially coming from uh, uh, more underserved areas and uh, other countries where there are people who could benefit quite a bit from volunteer activities, it's helpful to get involved with those. And uh, so I was able to volunteer in some clinics back in India. And a couple of other things that I did was um, to... Uh, write articles for a patient education blog where it's uh, uh, medical articles written for uh, the lay public. And that was a really nice experience for me as well as knowing that something that I'm doing is going to help people understand medicine better. And at the end of the day, really, it kind of helps you meet different people, learn about all the different things that people are doing. And it makes for good, good things to discuss during interviews as well. And uh, all of that, all of that goes into your application. And again, it doesn't have to be something uh, uh, like starting an organization or anything. It can just be where you're uh, you're participating and doing your bit. Exactly. Um, moving forward, Sneha, uh, the questions, the other question that I wanted to ask you was: um, so you're basically at this time you're done with your um, you know steps, uh, clinical rotations, research rotations, volunteer experience. Um, I wanted to ask one question was, how did you, you know, when you interviewed at various places, how did you decide between 
choosing a J1 and a H1B visa? Yeah, that's a good question. And uh, yeah, I would start off by saying I was really fortunate. I got uh, a good number of interviews. And uh, since I was applying fresh without having done any research uh, time, I, I just had a visitor visa at that time. So I could have gone either way. And um, a lot of factors really went into deciding that. So there is a conventional idea that H1B is going to be better in the long run because of uh, uh, because of it making it, uh, it's a faster path to getting a permanent residency in the US. Uh, so that was, that. so I did prioritize H1B, but at the same time, knowing fully well that there are challenges with applying for fellowship when you're on an H1B visa. And so really wanted to make sure that I get into the best program. Uh, I was fortunate that uh, my top choice program was offering H1B. So things worked out well for me, but I would say that I did have a lot of J1 programs pretty high on my list as well. And knowing fully well that with a J1 fellowship is pretty straightforward. And there are many options to uh, transition from a J1 uh, to applying for a permanent residency as well. So if, you, if you're if you aware of what you're doing and if you speak to a lot of different people, get a lot of different uh, input about how they went about the process, I think that can be helpful for your personal decision between the two. And of course, understanding that if you're on a J1 already, there's not much of a decision to be made. But mm-hmm. regardless, I would say both visa options come with their own challenges and advantages. So, uh, so I so really trying to look at uh, what's the best program and how does that fit you and how that can help with your future goals is probably the most important thing. Exactly, and uh, one of the things, one of the other things that I wanted to ask was regarding a USMLE Step Three. So, when did you take that? And uh, for applicants who are interested on uh, interested in um, taking H-1B uh, visa, uh, so they need to take the USMLE Step 3. So when did you take the Step 3 exam? Yeah, that's a really good question. And uh, my understanding is that most programs want your Step 3 results and the score to be in by the time match date comes up. So, Mm -hmm. And that means that you would generally have to have taken the exam by January of the match year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's the latest you can push it, if I'm not wrong. Uh, so I took mine in December of uh, December preceding the match year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say step three preparation is pretty straightforward. It's a good mm-hmm. idea to take it as soon as you can after step two so that you've not forgotten too much. And exactly. uh, and then uh, the score for me came by January. So I had everything ready when I matched. And uh, mm-hmm. they, they just need the past report for the H-1B visa. So if you have all that with you, it should be okay. Yeah. Even if you're on a J1 and you're not anticipating H1, I would still urge taking step three exam mm-hmm. maybe before you uh, start residency, uh, just because it's something you can get out of the way. Okay. Uh, so so taking it earlier never hurts. Yeah, I think I completely agree with that. And especially taking step three during residency can be uh, a time-consuming process, given that residency is usually pretty busy. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Like all of your classmates, American grads who are with you would be taking it in in turn year anyway. So you wouldn't really be uh, out of place in taking it with them. But yeah, just mm-hmm. if if you have the chance to get it done, might as well get it done quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next, Neha, I wanted to talk with you uh, about your interviews experience. And I think, you know, obviously this, this has changed with the pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. with now becoming virtual, but I just wanted yeah. to have your perspective on how your interview experience was. Yeah, I would say that it is really challenging to think of how people are doing this virtually. 
so it was all in person when uh, the the year that I interviewed and Agam, you and I, we did the went through the same match cycle, uh, and uh, it was really nice being able to go to different places, meeting different people in person. And uh, as I mentioned before, I was really fortunate that I got a good variety of interviews, so I was able to uh, uh, utilize that to learn about different programs. Yeah. And overall, the experience was really good. Mm-hmm. I, uh, having graduated medical school, I didn't have any major clinical uh, obligations. So I was able to spend a couple of months in the U.S. and uh, go to all the different interviews as well. Mm-hmm. And the interview dinners were also really nice, being able to meet so many different people, uh, and yeah. and and. It, really just a huge learning experience i would say and exactly. uh, everyone's incredibly nice during these interviews uh, so definitely uh, m- one advice for a lot of applicants would be it, it, you're definitely going to be a little nervous but it's okay everyone's trying to uh, are trying to find out about you really and uh, they're trying to help you out the best you can uh, yes. so definitely staying calm through the whole process looking at it as an experience to enjoy is a good way to go about it mm-hmm. with it being virtual having just gone through some of the fellowship interviews virtually it, it it is a very different experience the advantage is being that you can just stay in one place and finish all of them mm-hmm. uh, but the disadvantage being that zoom can get really tiring yeah <laughs> and uh, so that's something to navigate but uh, i think that yeah, times are changing so difficult to really say how things are going to be for others yeah uh sneha looking back uh, what do you think helped you the most um, you know in your extremely successful match <laughs> thank you uh so wh- i i think looking back trying to see what helped with uh, say getting interviews as well as the match itself um couple of things would be the uh, scores in the usmle exams mm-hmm. and um i would say that scores on their own at the during the match itself i don't, i don't know how much that matters but it definitely helps you get interviews yeah uh, so really trying to get a higher score possible would help and uh, then the medical school that i went to i think helped as well because mm-hmm. it was uh, uh, fairly known among a lot of different programs and program mm-hmm. directors uh, several of my seniors had gone through the process in pretty recent years so there were a couple of my seniors and many of the programs i got interviews from yeah and uh, doing clinical electives as a medical student in major academic centers and having letters from faculty that i worked with really mm-hmm. uh, helped quite a bit and there mm-hmm. were some instances where people had actually known some of the faculty members and were able to talk about that so all of those helped some other factors which i think uh, uh, may not have been very important but i think definitely helped were uh, uh being a recent graduate so i mm-hmm. graduated in april 2018 and i applied the same year in september for the residency starting in uh uh july 2019 mm-hmm. and uh mostly i think it just helps because you have lesser time in your cv so people look at it as uh, you've completed all the requirements early on uh but even exactly. if you do have a few more years i think that if you're being productive during that time it's it sort of evens out yeah. and yeah Yeah in addition to that I would say the research volunteer experience making sure that you have done a little bit of all of those so mm-hmm. uh definitely helped that I had done a couple of things in all of those different categories I think you had an extremely strong application and uh, you're definitely not only the smartest but one of the nicest uh, human beings I've met so mm-hmm. you know you de- definitely deserve what you have achieved and 
So <laughs> thank you so much, Aga. One of the other questions that I wanted to ask Neha was um, in terms of what challenges did you have during this entire process? This is a very long process. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what challenges did you encounter? Yeah, I think the the fact that it's a long process itself is a bit of a challenge. But I would say that uh, uh, a lot of the 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 situations where I look back and I think, okay, those were things that I had to uh, deal with. Really, mm-hmm. where uh, most of them were logistic factors. I was I would say I was incredibly fortunate that things went pretty well. Uh, mm-hmm. The logistic factors mainly being things like getting the visa processed or making sure all the documents were in on time. Uh, yeah. Being a med student while trying to do all of these means balancing out uh, the uh, responsibilities we have as a medical student, the exams that we have there, as well as the clinical rotations that we attend. So trying to balance that out with taking time off to come to the U.S. for electives. Uh, yeah. So some places I know have built-in elective time where you can use that to come as a med student. But uh, my med school is pretty particular about us doing elect- doing all the required rotations in our med school and then taking additional time Mm -hmm. so trying to navigate those were a little bit challenging but Mm -hmm. really all of those worked out pretty well so overall things were really good uh looking at the duration of time it takes yeah it is a bit of a commitment (laughs) once you decide on it to uh to keep with the process Mm-hmm. And because sometimes it's just, uh, it, it, it might just feel like, okay, just take the one exam that you have in your home country and uh, yeah. you can stick to that too. And I think when those thoughts came up, I always felt like, okay, I'm going to think of the option just to take a PG, to take the PG exam and pursue post-graduation there as a really solid backup. Mm-hmm. And I think that actually gave me the strength to keep going on with USMLE because I knew that I always had another option. Um, So really would say that they all together helped me with the process. Anything different that you would have done during this entire process? Uh, I think looking back, since things have worked out so well, I really wouldn't want to do anything different. Uh, One thing that that comes to mind is when I applied, I was pretty open about where I would go geographically. Mm -hmm. But if I'd had a preference and if I thought about any specific institutions that I wanted to go to, then I might have done maybe some more research or clinical experiences in those locations. Uh, but that being said, I, I really loved Mayo when I came here for an elective. So once I got the interview from Mayo, I was I was pretty happy <laughs> with how yeah. things had uh, come about until that moment. But if there are applicants out there who do have a specific uh, geographic preference or specific uh, programs that they really want to go to, then being upfront about your interest in them from the beginning can help quite a bit. Yeah, no, that's that's true for sure. And um, what what uh, describe us your feeling as to when you when you found out that you matched at Mayo? Yeah, that was that was incredible. I I was ecstatic, and uh, when I found out about that, I was I was at home with uh, with my mom at that time uh, when I, we got the match results, and I saw that and I started crying because uh, looking yeah. back, really. When th- my first trip to the U.S. on my own was for my elective at Mayo Clinic, mm-hmm. so just I, I so everything about the process of applying for residency really kind of started with that uh, exactly. with that elective. That was really when I decided that I'm going to do residency in the U.S. So mm-hmm. just finding out that I would be able to train at the same institute where I was inspired so much was left me overwhelmed. And uh, starting residency and going through that, I I've. I'm incredibly grateful for how things turned out. 
And uh, what are your future plans, Neha? Yeah, so right now just completed fellowship interviews. Uh, I'm hoping to uh, I'm hoping to do endocrinology, and uh, I'm really excited that I'm at that stage right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the rank submission deadline is coming up, and we'll find out about the fellowship results, the match results in uh, in a couple of weeks. So really excited for that. It may be out by the time the podcast is out. I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so really excited for that. Looking forward to finding out uh, where the next uh, where the next stage is going to be. Uh, and Agam, I know you're also in the same situation. So good yeah. luck to you thank as you. well. No, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Neha, for all your time, and thank you so much for sharing your journey. It really means a lot. Yeah, thank you so much, Agam, for having me here. It's uh, it's been really fun chatting with you about this, looking back and looking at the whole process. And it's amazing to think that we that we were able to do this, <laughs> yeah, no, like starting great. about five to six years back, and now we're applying for fellowship. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Sneha. Yeah, thank you so much, and uh, good luck to all the applicants out there. I know the residency process is also. Uh, in full swing right now so uh, best wishes to everyone yeah thank you